0: Floods, droughts, locusts, climate change. There is a lot going on in and around us in Africa and superfast. We're all seeing and feeling the effect it has on how we eat, move around, and even how we can make a living. For this reason, join me Sophie Mbogwa, a Kenyan environmental journalist, for our weekly podcast, The Africa Climate Conversations. Africa Climate Conversations aims at helping you understand what climate change is all about, how it affects you and your family, what is being done in Africa, and what you can do to adapt and mitigate to its impacts, no matter where you are in Africa. Hello. Welcome to another edition of the Africa Climate Conversations. I'm your host, Sophie Mbogwa. This week, we are talking about climate finance, And why this beautiful continent is seen as such a high risk when it comes to investment. But before we get into the interview with Abbasanda Mohamed Nasser, who is the former chair of the Africa Group of Negotiators on Climate Change, let me just briefly explain what climate finance is. So in the context of the international political negotiation on climate change, The term climate finance is frequently used to describe money flowing from developed to developing countries geared towards activities that help reduce greenhouse gas emissions. Now, if you're wondering what greenhouse gases are, you might have to listen to the very first podcast um, that Dr. Zablon Owiti had explained very well what greenhouse gas emissions are. Now, this money is supposed to help poor nations, that is developing countries, cope with the impact of climate change, that is, adaptation, as well as help prevent further releases of greenhouse gases into the atmosphere, that is, mitigation. Let's take an example of a fishing community somewhere somewhere where, somewhere in Zanzibar. Now, for example, the temperatures in the seawaters have risen so much, and as a result, these communities cannot fish close to the shores, so they have to go deep fishing to get the supplies of the day. So these communities, previously, probably they just needed a dao or they just needed a normal boat, which did not require an engine and they didn't necessarily have to go overnight to fish. But today, because temperatures have risen so high, they have to go fishing for about two to three days, all right, deep sea. That means they will require better boats, probably a boat with an engine. They probably will require a freezer because they have to store the fish, Um, for the couple of days to make sure it doesn't go bad. So climate finance for this community would go into helping them purchase better boats, uh, freezers, and they would as well require information, climate and weather information, telling them this is how the sea will be, okay? So that they are informed by the time they know they are going to spend three days in the deep sea so they know how the weather will look like, okay? So in the end, This money will help these communities cope with the rising water temperatures, fish sustainably, and they will be able to earn a living. So why do developed countries have the obligation to help developing countries? One, grow their economies without emitting too much emissions into the atmosphere. That is mitigation. Secondly, cope with too much effects of climate change, that is flooding, drought, cyclones, increased pest and diseases, both for humans, plants, and animals, that is adaptation. It's because they have grown their economies by burning too much fossil fuels, such as coal, which is attributed to high warming of the temperatures today. So historically, developed countries are responsible for the warming of the planet we are experiencing today, and hence they have to pay for developing countries to cope with the effects of climate change, I hope the definition is clear. And if it's not clear, and if you want us to discuss further, please drop me an email. My email is info at But here is Abassanda Nasa talking about why the cost of finance is high in Africa and why this continent is such a high risk. In 2009, developed countries pledged to mobilize jointly about 100 billion US dollars a year in climate finance by 2020. That is for developing countries. This fund supports developing countries' adaptation and mitigation effort. Where are we now in terms of mobilizing that?
1: Where, where are we now? Well, according to what the OECD and the World Bank and many financial institutions and many developed countries are saying, we are mm-hmm. almost fulfilling or even exceeding the $100 billion. Okay, this is mm-hmm. one side of the story. According to other views, no, we are not there because mm-hmm. there is a, a, a major glitch here, which is we have not even agreed on the definition on of climate finance and how can you identify the word mobilization of climate finance. Mm-hmm. So if we use the general term of mobilization, meaning that if, if I give you a dollar and this helps you to attract $10, then I can count the one plus 10, that means 11. Then this is one definition of mobilization. Mm-hmm. And one definition of accounting of climate finance. While others are saying, well, what is there in the pot was the one, only the one, not the, not the 11. And then if you look at the other 10, you need to look where they come from and what form, what instrument are they provided. So if, I, if, if those are being provided as loans, that means that I have to pay them back. Yeah. So if I have to pay them back, then you shouldn't be accounting them as climate finance. Absolutely. Because those are payable back. But mm-hmm. because there is no agreement on this point, then you have different methodologies for accounting on what is climate finance. So if we apply a relaxed methodology, then we are beyond the 100 billion and we are all very happy and cheerful. If you apply an intermediate methodology, yes, we are within the 100 billion, but we still have a lot of concerns on how we're going to continue this process of accounting, especially on instruments that, that are similar to loans or guarantees or other stuff, because those mm-hmm. are not real money. Uh, if you are on the very conservative side saying that it's only what is provided, And some of what is mobilized that comes in the form of uh, grant equivalent, the the idea is that, yes, there was a commitment, yes, there is actions being taken. Uh, Maybe it is not up to the expectation by some, and maybe because the rules that are put forward there are not very clear and And this will provide this is this is, presents a lot of challenges not only now but in the coming years, because accounting is the core of the paris agreement Paris agreement is only about accounting by the way. it is mm-hmm. a pledge, and then you account against the pledge that you have provided, so account your action against the pledge, be it on mitigation or like emission reductions or other activities or finance mm-hmm. so so there is a big debate still going on on how you define the climate finance component, but this does not mean that developed countries have not moved forward and provided climate finance. Yes, they have. Is it up to the challenge of climate change? Some are saying yes, saying no. Uh, from the African perspective, we have a lot of concerns with the issue of instruments, how well, finance is provided and access, simply because of what I told you before on uh, the economic uh, challenges that we are facing, including the cost of finance that we get in loans. So, in very simple terms, if you go in the EU, if you are a European and, you, and you're a big company, you want to have you do a project in the, in the European countries or in the US or in Japan or big big developed countries um, and you go to the bank and get a loan, most probably get it for 1%. Mm-hmm. For the same project, by the same company, but in a developing country mm-hmm. and you get a loan you can get it for 9%, 10, 10 or 11 or 12%. So the cost of finance is much higher Mm-hmm. when you talk about those other and this has to be taken into consideration especially when you have a lot of other challenges mm. the, the last point on this uh, on this climate finance is um, the COVID-19 has shown that if there is a will there is a way to provide more finance absolutely that you saw trillions pouring here and there yeah. you saw yeah. packages to stimulate the economies in trillions mm. <laughs> so so if you want really to deal with like with a lot of seriousness with the issue of climate change then then similar commitment to assist in mobilizing uh, this should be also put forward and 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 move away from this um, accounting uh, game of no 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 this is this is 100 billion there no it's not 100 billion no it is 100 billion so we should avoid this accounting game mm-hmm. it is not about saying Yes, I did that because this will lead, at a certain point, to some countries saying, "Yes, guys, um, so let's let's have a break here. Let's let's really see where we are." Um, and yes, we want to be very ambitious, but this, uh, if it comes at a very high cost, what can I do? I mean, I have other priorities back home. So this is where we are really fighting as Africans, saying that instruments should be grant equivalent. So we should only be focusing on the grant equivalent component of any accounting for climate finance. Climate finance should be only the grand part of it. Uh-huh. I will not go in in, in, in in other items like, because this is historical responsibility, because African countries and the majority of developing countries have not even emitted a fraction of what is there, and there's a carbon budget and all this stuff. This is, this is not a part of our discussion now. Uh-huh. I mean, we are trying to look forward, not backwards, but there is a reality that most of the carbon budget was used by the developed countries so um, and, and most of the impacts that we're facing now are because of the amount of carbon dioxide in the in the atmosphere and most of it, the overwhelming majority of it does not come from uh, overwhelming majority of developing countries mm-hmm. so there should be some sort of understanding there and we should avoid politicizing the, the the climate change and this is very
0: important there uh, Absolutely. What is in my mind right now is wondering, is there there a need for political will to provide financing? Because as you say, we've seen a lot of billions and trillion pouring in terms of dealing with the COVID-19 pandemic. But when it comes to dealing with climate change, climate finance, providing climate finance has been a whole uh, big push and pull. Is there a need for political will providing this and saying, look, um, there's a historical responsibility for developed countries uh, who have been responsible and, and, and find G20 is responsible for about 80% of the emissions. Do we need political will in terms of dealing moving forward? Because I'm also looking in terms of negotiating on finance post-2020. What is needed for us for the finance to flow?
1: Of course, as you said, there is a need of political will. And, and this political will will not happen just because of people believing in climate change. It happens only because of, like, when, when they feel feel pressure, pressure by media, by social media, by the people, by developing countries, people by developed countries, even citizens, because it is a reality. This is climate justice. This is justice. And And in many cases, if you look, if you go around in Africa, just get out of the big cities, even if within the big cities, you will see the levels of poverty, be it like a a low income or a low developed or least developed country or middle income middle middle income countries go around africa anywhere and most of the most of the continents most of the developing countries are the same mm-hmm. so let's be very clear that we are not on the same starting point when it comes to social and environmental uh, indicators in between developed and developing countries and economic and development indicators for sure and there are competing needs in, in developing countries that does not un, that are not undermining the environmental and climate change ones, but they are really constraining um, policymakers and decision takers in taking actions because they don't see the, the carrot in it, if I, if I may put this, mm-hmm. the carrot on mm-hmm. the stick thing. I mean, there is a stick which is the impacts of climate change that we are all facing, but there should be also a carrot that for for a a politician who is there for four years or five years or eight years or six years, whatever, this is short term, but he needs to see the advantage into going and taking actions in climate change and also see the safeguards that he will not be disadvantaged in a lot of uh, uh, issues, including uh, issues of indebtedness, issues of uh, how can this help development and not really have an impact on the other sectors, uh, including education, health and others? Um, the last point in that is there should be clear understanding that, and that climate change is not should not be used as a vehicle for business, mm. meaning that it is not there to have big companies coming and doing business and making a lot of profits. And this climate change system is, is designed to allow them to make profits. But it is rather a process that we need to take action on climate change. So let's really make it not a profit uh, looking forward, but, but rather like action and dealing with the climate. I will give you a very, to make it clear for audience, I'll give mm-hmm. you a very uh, example. If, if you're a country that is entering um, renewable energy, Mm -hmm. And you want to attract investments in renewable energy. If you are still, this is your first time and you are preparing this, but you are a country with high levels of debtness, or you are uh, low on the social and economic indicators, Mm -hmm. you will have, maybe you'll go in in an agreement with a private sector company that will sell you this renewable energy uh, for maybe 8 cents or 7 cents per kilowatt. Mm -hmm. But the trick there is that you are, stuck in this contract for 20 years yeah so for 20 years you'll be paying seven cents per kilowatt for the energy this is of course the private sector they have their initial investments and they need to make profit this is why they are there but on the same time three years from now the cost of this renewable energy will go from seven maybe to two cents per dollar but you're still stuck with the seven
0: for 20 years Mm, for 20 years
1: or for 15 years and it depends on the contract mm-hmm. but you're still stuck in this locked in thing for a very long period of time in many cases you don't have the same flexibility that um, that that private sector offers in big developed countries because there there is a high competitiveness and uh, the rules there are um, are clearer maybe um, and of course the potentials are clearer and and the cost of money there is cheaper but for many of our countries' case, it is not the case. It is higher cost of money. Maybe rules are not very clear. Um, a lot of risks that are there. So a private sector company comes and they want to safeguard all of that. So they mm-hmm. want to make sure that things are moving forward in the right direction. But it might not be the best case scenario for countries mm-hmm. themselves. So so this is just an example, a generic example, but it it, it, it is there. Some countries have agreed on a long-term agreements on buying renewable energy for 11 cents, while now we can get it for like 4 cents. But those guys are stuck for, for a period of time. And who pays for that? It is the end user. So, because the governments are not going to subsidize this amount. yeah. So the end user is going to pay for that. So you'll be paying for higher uh, energy costs than others in other places, and it, it, then it's, uh, it is it is not an easy thing. So what I'm saying is, yes, there is a component, the profit component, but it should not be only the profit which guides. Because if you leave it only for private sector, private sector is a profit-seeking entities. Mm-hmm. So this is where we should have this balance, where climate finance comes in as helping developing countries do both adaptation and mitigation, and does not add to the burden to developing countries' economies or add another layer of uh, burden on, on developing countries, on the people of developing countries.
0: And speaking of that, i, I just wondering, why is Africa seen as such a high-risk investment when it comes to climate investments? Well, currently
1: and in the future, I'll say, like, currently, because of, as I said, the social indicators, economic indicators, other reasons, be it. Um, political stability, uh, social stability. Uh, there are a lot of other political and, and security-related, social-related uh, issues that makes it um, higher risk. Mm-hmm. And to add to that is la- the level of indebtedness that the countries have and your economy and how it is flexible and, and reacting for the level of, levels of debt that you have. So the higher the debt you have, the higher the risk, then the higher the cost of the money. Mm-hmm. Um, the higher other risks be political and others, your rating all of them have an impact on the, the cost of um, of money that you borrow from outside state that is added to your uh, uh, to your loans mm-hmm. then in the future, which is again this is an issue of great concern to us in the negotiations mm-hmm. um, while in principle it, it makes sense that you should include in the investment and in your own your investment, the climate risks, of course, mm. and, but if you apply it in some cases, then if you add the climate risk to the other long list of risks that you have, then the cost of money will be much higher. Mm-hmm. So if I am a, a, a vulnerable country, like a country like, I don't, I don't know what to name countries, a country that has very, uh, not high, medium risk in everything. Uh, political security and social and so on and is already facing impacts of climate change and then I am asked to include um, the the risk of climate change into my investment plans and also to um, to make it clear for investors so investors will take it into consideration when they come and invest that means that the cost of finance will be much higher on me so and competitiveness to attract and, and investors, I will lose edge or I will lose like a substantial amount of my competitiveness to attract investors if I add those climate risks, which mm. I did not cause. Mm. Mm. In relation to adaptation, I did not cause that. If I'm a low lying coastal uh, city mm. or a country, then that like sea level rise is not caused by me, but, but historical responsibility kicks in. But yet I'm being asked or I'm being forced to pay for that through. Adding this climate risk into, into the long list of investment risks that that are uh, that are there, mm. uh, where they say this the disclosure of the climate risk, which is another element that that is being added there. So we are saying, as Africa, we are not against that, but it does not come on its own. It has to come with the mechanism to mitigate this impact, this negative impact on finance or on the cost of me borrowing money. Mm-hmm. I can, disclosure of the climate risks, yes. But at the same time, there should be the mechanism that mitigates this if the effect of this extra level of risks to be added on the cost of, uh, of my financing or the cost of investments. Yeah. I hope it's clear.
0: It's very clear. The, the, the African group of negotiators on climate change push for recognition under the UNFCCC process as African recognition on special needs and circumstances, does it help address these particular challenges?
1: Well, we are not pushing for for the acknowledgement because the acknowledgement was there under the convention and mm-hmm, it was mm-hmm. there under the decisions all the way until Paris. It is it is there under the Green Climate Fund. What we are saying is that a confirmation of the continuation of this acknowledgement. Okay. And because we we are concerned that with this increasing tendency um, to start like uh, kind of categorizing countries based on. There, or, or um, including this climate risk uh, factor disclosure of climate risk factor
0: mm-hmm. it
1: might have an impact on a continent all of it is already facing social and economic challenges compared to other regions uh, but it is very specific to the African continent in many cases mm-hmm. because of its like, 50 years as well we have we are 54 countries in a continent and and we are all, be it uh, low income or middle income or low or middle income, we all face sim- almost similar challenges. Um, so we need to acknowledge that this continent is also a very important continent when it comes to actions to cause climate change, and it is a very important continent to be part of the global ac- action to climate change, and we want to do that, mm-hmm. but we want to be very clear that also we are not like other big economies shouldn't be dealt with as... Uh, that other big economies, we are not taking any advantage of anybody or disadvantaging others, mm-hmm. but we are ensuring that this acknowledgement is continuing, as per the assurance we were given in Paris um, uh, by the by the presidency back then, saying that the acknowledgement is there and we will have a parallel process to allow this. Just please allow the Paris Agreement to go forward. We know that this is important for you. We acknowledge it. We will take it in a in a parallel process, just a confirmation of acknowledgement. Because what happened in Paris was that up Paris there was this acknowledgement, there was a misunderstanding between some countries on what we were trying to aim mm-hmm. or trying to achieve through this acknowledgement of the continuation of acknowledgement of the special circumstances. And because things in Paris were, um, time was not on our side and, and it was just like last minute thing this is a deal Take it or leave it we have to mobilize everybody on board and africa Mm -hmm. thought that yes we do have strong confidence in the process in the people Mm -hmm. and because we already have the assurance that this is going on and we have assurance that it will be like a a parallel process that we can deal with then we went along but what happened after that was very strange discussions that was not even related to the to the item and it it became and unfortunate that some countries were trying to identify our approach and as if we were trying to undermine them. And they took, a, and this is developing countries, unfortunately, mm-hmm. and they were taking a strange, a strange positions sure. there. But anyway, what we have is what we have. And the acknowledgement by the presidency uh, um, is very much appreciated. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and last COP, uh, where the president of the COP yeah. Chile, Chile, which was part of the countries who had the reservation, what we were saying, said it very clearly that there is an acknowledgement of the continuation, and, and and the special Africa special circumstances, and everybody was fine with that. So we just need to make it more formal formalized, and we're just building on what happened in Alaska.
0: Okay. Thank you so much. I really feel like we have a lot to to discuss, but then again, I would have to end this call. But um, before we do, um, what is your call for nations, in terms of both developed and developing nations? What do they need to do in terms of climate ambitions?
1: There is a lot of potential, and there is a lot of actions that could be taken to enhance uh, our um, global action towards climate change. What is needed is to build trust in the whole process, be it through the process itself under the UfTWC, or or to encourage and change the mindset of decision takers all over the world, be it developed or developing, that you can do more, and we can we can be uh, more coordinated and more ambitious, um, and we want to avoid like getting to a certain point where um, we start the blame blame game. Mm -hmm. Or we get a certain point where the trust and the potential that was envisaged in Paris and and, uh, push the global action towards climate change that was envisioned in Paris and then in Katowice two years ago Mm -hmm. um, will will be uh, questioned by many, uh, especially when they think that being ambitious does not mean that you will be rewarded and you will be helped to achieve your ambition, but it is more of it's uh if you if you want to be ambitious then give me your information it is more of a monitoring regime rather than an encouraging regime so we need to make sure that the regime that we're building in the paris agreement is a regime that allows for higher ambition by encouraging the higher ambition and not which is a carrot approach and not the regime that is pushing for higher ambition by monitoring for higher ambition which is the stick approach Mm -hmm. this is my simple approach to the whole thing, and this is upon us. There are balances, checks and balances, Mm -hmm. components of the Paris Agreement. All of them have to be be dealt with in the right approach and with the right balance. So this delicate balance in the Paris Agreement should always be uh, kept, be it between mitigation or adaptation, or between action and support. If this balance is not right, then we can, unfortunately, this can put all this regime in danger, and then we, we might find ourselves in 2025 renegotiating a new agreement.
0: Okay. Thank you so much, Ambassador Nasser, for uh, finding time today. I, I sincerely do appreciate that, and I'm hoping that over time we will continue to work together to raise awareness in terms of climate issues in Africa, and with you and also with the African group. Thank you so much, Sophie. Thank you so much, and thank you for, uh, for everybody. Thank you. Thank you so much. That was Abbasana Nasser talking about why the cost of finance is high in Africa and why the continent is seen as a high risk. Have you or do you know anyone who has developed a technology helping others cope with effects of climate change? Tell me about them or yourself through info at sophiembogwa.com. Until next week, Kwaheri, have yourself a safe and a productive week ahead.